Welcome to the Hunter's Hub Hunt More podcast. This podcast is built to get you hunting more. We talk with the greatest hunters around the world, known and unknown. We tell stories, give tips, share opinions, and talk all things hunting. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Hunter's Hub Humore Podcast. Today we have Hunter's Hub member, good friend, Glenn Landers on board here. How's it going, Glenn? Hey, good, McKenzie. How are you? Good, good. And for all you guys that don't know Glenn, he is a, a sheep nut, and I would like to say he's kind of a moose nut as well. He likes those big big bull moose, and he's whacked a complete giant. We'll have to talk about that here on the podcast. Um, how me and Glenn got introduced to each other, we were friends on Facebook, and then we ended up meeting each other in Stone Sheep Camp, and ever since then, been friends and talking and been trying to get him on the podcast, and we finally linked up here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking a little bit of hunting with you. Yes, sir. We need a good sheep podcast. We haven't really had you know full-on sheep episodes. So I think we need to talk a lot of sheep on here. And like I said, I want to dive into that big moose story with you, but... Uh, We'll start off and talk about sheep, kind of kind of give you a little bit, you know, kind of give a little background on you, Glenn, kind of talk about your, you know, what you do with wild sheep and all that and kind of your little story, if you don't mind. Yeah, you bet. Well, just a little background on me. I live in the very southeastern corner of Washington, growing up here. Um, I'm actually a high school teacher, so I get to uh, have some summers off. And I live, you know, right on the edge of Hell's Canyon, so both Idaho, Washington, and Oregon as well is just right in my backyard. And uh, I kind of grew up hunting. My grandpa got my brother and I into hunting when we were younger, and um, way back, probably before you were born in 1995, I drew a Washington bighorn tag. Um, my first year applying, in fact, ever, the first year I ever applied for or any sheep tag, and I drew here in Washington, and and uh, the story I like to say is I've been broke ever since. So, um, yeah, I had a tremendous hunt, and, and I haven't looked back. I, I really enjoyed the experience and everything about sheep hunting. Um, so whenever I can sneak one in, I like to make it happen. Yep. Did you have any sheep hunts that you were supposed to do this year that got postponed? Or No, no I don't have a sheep hunt for myself um, booked uh, at all. So, you know, my particular schedule is was salvaged um and we've got some stuff that we're going to do here in, in washington and help out on one in oregon so uh we've got a good fall lined up but nothing for myself was was impacted by all this COVID stuff right on right on um give people a little brief background because you and uh brian have you know outfitting business kind of just kind of brief over that real quick and we'll dive deeper into that later on sure yeah well i i worked for an outfitter starting in 1999 and I worked for, for him until um, 2015 was the last hunt that I did. And and uh, also Brian Bailey from here in Washington, we've both been active with the Washington Wild Sheep for a couple of decades and, and guided together for that outfitter and then decided it was time for something fresh and new. And so we started uh, three years ago, we started, you know, what we call Bailey and Landers Hunting Company. So we're kind of low volume, um, concentrate on auction and raffle tags. Um, Brian does some accompanying of hunters uh, internationally as well. Uh, he's he's a big world sheep and goat hunter, so he uh, if somebody wants to go to Azerbaijan or Russia or wherever, he's a great one to go along with that. So I'll stay home and teach. And uh, anyway, he's great great partner, great friend of mine. He's my age, and uh, he's got the sheep nut. And he's the sheep nut as well. So um, really enjoy 
we've got some tremendous hunts lined up this fall that we're really looking forward to awesome yeah uh glenn and brian they you know like you said they do a low volume but it's uh really high quality rams they do you know like auction tags and stuff and uh, you'll have to check their instagrams out and facebook out for that just to see those giant rams that they're taking um so glenn you were talking about your first sheep hunt and that was the one that you drew there in i'm drawing a blank what state did you just say you drew it there in washington right yeah in washington in one of our rocky mountain bighorn units and um it was really uh i mean we had a great hunt and my brother come over i was actually teaching up in central washington with my first teaching job way back when and i had my brother come into town and, and a few of my cousins and uh, uh helped me on that and and we killed a tremendous ram on uh, i think it was the third day of the season i killed a ram that grossed 189 netted 188 and like i said that really started it off for me and the interesting part of it is that unit was part of uh, that was again we killed that ram in september of 1995 and and later that fall we had a big uh, hell's canyon die-off here so at the time i knew nothing about sheep hunting and i knew nothing about you know what was then finaz or or any disease issues or whatever so really in a in a two-month period i was exposed to you know the the challenges and joys and trials and tribulations of sheep hunting and then also about wild sheep conservation and so it really piqued my interest and um and i as a result i got involved with the washington wild sheep foundation way back when and, and i served as a president for 10 years and then i'm currently a director for the national wild sheep foundation and in my fourth year serving as the national um director for that as well and so it was, it was all from that one hunt and you know exposed to the hunting side of it and and then the you know the challenges of of uh, of a die-off and what we can do to try and recover herds, etc. So it's been a big part of my life the last 25 years. Yeah, that's awesome because I, you know, every time I go to sheep show, I always end up seeing you and Brian there, and you're always constantly busy. You can't even can't really even hang out with you down there at the sheep show. You're super busy, you run around meetings, and you do the you've been doing the life member breakfast for the past few years, haven't you? Right. Yeah. So I'm the chairman of the life member breakfast committee. So I get the, the pleasure of emceeing that the last, uh, what, two or three years, I guess. So, yeah, it's, it's a great week. It's a lot of, of fun to get down there and, and catch up with guys like you that are coming, you know, folks that are coming from all over and start swapping stories and lies again. And um, <laughs> nothing beats a, a few days of sheep show. So no. it's, it's a great time. Yeah, 100%. So what, let's dive into some more of your sheep stuff. So you shot the Rocky. What was your second ram? Uh, so in 95, I got the Rocky, and then, you know, kind of naturally, you know, it seems like everybody says, you know, when they, once they draw a bighorn tag, and then they get out there and, and uh, get a ram, and then it's like, well, what do you want to do next? So naturally, you kind of think doll sheep, and that's what I was researching, and then I met a guy that was actually, at the time, was involved with Washington Finaz, and uh, still a good friend of mine today, and so he was researching stone hunts and so i mean i was 24 when i killed that ram and so it would have been the next spring i was 25 and so we booked a stone hunt and went to british columbia in august of 1998 uh, we hunted with a guy named my outfitter's name was arnold Hinhappley on montreal lake that's now part of art thompson's area so yeah so my second hunt was in august of 98 we went stone sheep hunting and 
a funny story is I always say is the, is the best financial decision of my life. Uh, as I booked that hunt in 1998, it was $12,500, wow. <laughs> which was a lot of money for a teacher back then. But looking at those hunts now, you know, it's, yeah, that's a screaming deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a screaming deal nowadays. And then, so you did Rocky stone. What was, let's kind of go in order. What was your next two? And then we'll kind of dive into some particular stories. Yeah, so the next one was in 2001. I, I then now it's time to, to look at a doll sheep, and I booked a hunt with Dan Montgomery, Alaska Trophy Adventures. And um, so in August of 2001, I headed to Alaska and took what I considered to be, or considered to be my best trophy, actually. I, I killed a, a net official book um, doll sheep on opening day, August 10, 2001. Uh, I just killed a tremendous ram. I was really fortunate and hunting the Chugach Mountains back then. I was in one of the units that was, uh, that is now a draw, but back then was open and so killed a big old loopy 41 inch plus 14 inch bases. And, um, yeah, so I was really lucky. It was a, it was a tremendous hunt and an amazing ram. Awesome. And then, so after that, uh, obviously it was, a desert, and you killed a giant desert, didn't you? Wasn't uh, to... it's a good one? Yeah, it's kind of a it's a great story I like to tell. In 2002, I won the New Mexico State Bighorn Raffle, and back then it was just one raffle. There was only one desert unit, and then I think only like the Pecos and Wheeler Peak were open for Rocky. So the rule was back in 2002, the the auction hunter. Um, got to choose which unit and, and consequently which species they wanted to hunt first. And then the raffle hunter got choice of what was left. And so I got really lucky. Um, and, and the auction hunter that year chose to hunt Rockies. So that left the lone desert unit, which was the Pelinfield Mountains, open for me to choose. And needing a, needing a desert, it worked out perfectly. So um, cool cool addition to the story new mexico allows you to sell that permit if you want the raffle permit and so i mean literally within 30 minutes of being notified that i'd won the raffle um an outfitter called me uh, that was representing a guy that had bought a bunch of raffle tickets to hunt desert sheep you know wanting to um know if i was interested in selling it again so now i'm this is 2002 so i was 31 years old i needed a desert again i'm a high school teacher and uh, it was tempting, but um, I knew I wanted a you know a chance at a at a big ram, and having that permit um, to go down and hunt New Mexico was was my best chance at it. So I didn't sell it. Um, it sure added another another flavor to it, I guess, with the phone <laughs> calls and you know. Then I had Mexican outfitters call me one you know because they heard I was going to sell, and they heard I was a teacher, and they heard. I needed a desert for to, to finish uh, my my four and um, as it was, I kept it. And again, I went down with the same, um, you know, a couple of cousins and my brother that started it with me in, in 1995, and, and we killed a 175 and some change, 174 and some change uh, net uh, desert on day two or day three down in the Palencio. So wow, yeah, it, it it turned out, you know, just perfectly i guess as, as good as i could hope for so yeah i would say that was pretty um, awesome right there <laughs> and then yeah. 
So, um, how many how many days did it take you guys down there on the desert for that desert? I I gotta think. I think we uh, we went down a couple days early. I actually went down in July and scouted with my cousin, and then we drove down. And then I went right before school started. I flew to Tucson and rented an SUV, and I spent a week down there by myself looking. And then I kind of befriended um, a local ranchers son who was about my age that was also a teacher and I was coaching basketball at the time and so was this rancher's son and so he would give me updates like when he'd go out riding for cows and checking water tanks and whatever and would see some desert sheep um he would keep me you know apprised of that and so I think it was uh I think it was only gosh we found the ram I killed a couple days before the season opened and uh, I killed him on the second day of the season, as I recall. So, oh, wow. How, yeah. How many days total um, for all four sheep? How many days total do you think you hunted for all four I sheep? Think it, I think it was 11. Oh, wow. Uh, three three on the bighorn, five on the, on the stone, one on the doll, and then two on the on the desert, whatever that sum, sum is. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? That's probably a really, you know, successful time frame because there's guys that go on, especially stone sheep hunts, you know, multiple different times for, you know, a long time. And when I met you, you've been there a long time for this <laughs> other stone. We'll get into that story later. But I would say you did really well, you know, completing that. And then you have a high scoring slam as well in that short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I was just really, I'm just really lucky. I, I've been fortunate and end up with some really good permits and uh, chosen some great outfitters and, and then, you know, my family going along with me. I've, you know, I don't know why, why my name was, you know, was on that lucky ticket when it was drawn. But yeah, you know, so 11 days and then, um, you know, the funny thing is, is well, as you mentioned, you know, my stone is the only one that's um, not in the book. And so, and I'm just, I don't know, I think I'm about six inches shy of the 700 club. So, my my uh, my goal. It's not good for my bank account. My goal is to be the only high school teacher in the seven hundred club. <laughs> um, so I I got a chance in on kind of a freak. I don't want to call it a cancellation stone hunt, but a buddy of mine had had bought two and thought he sold the other one. The outfitter thought you know that the hunter had sold it, etc. So I ended up with a good deal on that. And yeah, when I met you, I think that was my. Well, we killed our two rams together two days later and that was my 16th day so when i saw you it was day four my 14th day in the mountains uh, yeah and i had i had not seen a ram since the day before season opened yeah yeah that was uh, rough so you, i was you i was ready for a shower and a hot meal and <laughs> yeah you rolled uh, in the camp like a little rugged yeah yeah <laughs> i'm sure i looked like i was uh whatever you know it was rough yeah. it was a little bit rough but that's what it's all about so you know, you take the good with the bad, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. You know, that that was just an amazing hunt and great country. And stone sheep hunts tough, like you like you said. There's they're just amazing country, and they're a hard animal to spot. And uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure, resident pressure, outfitter pressure. So, um, you know, you've hunted a lot of like you know, obviously you've shot multiple sheep yourself out of the slam and you've guided a lot of sheep why would i mean would you say stone sheep is kind of the harder one out of all four i kind of think so i mean it's 
it's one, you know, they're just, you know, you've, you've seen them and, you know, they can be different colors and, you know, the country's rugged and it's remote and, and I think it's one, um, you know, that's really, uh, I would say it's really hard to buy. I mean, it doesn't, just because you have a big wallet or a big checkbook isn't going to guarantee you a giant, a giant stone sheep. Um, and, you know, as you alluded to a couple minutes ago, there's guys that are going on a couple hunts, you know, to kill the first legal ram. Well, that's what, you know, that's what I did, right? That's what we I killed, did. <laughs> we found a, yeah, we found a band of rams that had two legal rams in it, and so, and we killed them both. And so, I mean, I was hoping for something special, the genetics are there, but, you know, when you're on day 16 <laughs> uh, and you're, your you know illegal ram is put in front of you um it was time to it was time to tip one over so <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i mean like you said you showed up and you're on day 14 and i was sitting there and i'm like you know i was like day four and i was like oh cool i got several days you know we've seen a few little rams already this gonna be good and you roll up and tell me your story i'm like all right the first legal ram after glenn it was going down like i wasn't even hesitating because i was like i did not want to go through that and I don't want to, you know, because you got lucky and could stay a few extra days, you know. And, you know, what happens if I couldn't have stayed a few extra days? I couldn't, you know, I couldn't afford to stay a few extra days. And it just, I couldn't afford to go back for a stone sheep, especially, you know, since we went, they've jumped like 20 grand. Yeah. No, it's right. And Olmsteads were really generous. And, and, you know, we talked on a sat phone a couple of days before I saw you. And they said, you know, we want you to stay and, and until you kill a ram. And so... I, you know, I was able to, and, uh, you know, you just stick with it and you keep climbing and you keep riding and keep looking and, and you're going to find one, but they're, they're challenging. I, and I would, you know, to answer your question, I, I think they are the most difficult right now. Yeah. That's what I would say. Um, out of all four, what is, uh, your f- most favorite one? Do you think? Oh, well, I, you know, I get, I, I get that uh, similar question a lot. You know, it's like, Hey, what was your favorite sheep hunt? And my response is my favorite sheep hunt is my next one. Yeah. And I don't take, um, I've been fortunate. I, I, my, I killed my eighth Ram last year in the Yukon this last fall and um, eighth overall. And, um, so I've, I've been really fortunate. I don't take any of those for granted. Every one of them means a lot to me, but I love, planning a hunt and all the physical conditioning and gearing up and 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 going on those adventures man i just i just love it and uh they're they're getting expensive so it's getting harder to do uh i I try and to you know and we talked a little bit about some of the outfitting and stuff that's where i try and fund that habit with because my teaching salary doesn't pay for a sheep hunt um but yeah I, i mean i don't know i you know the ones with my family mean a lot um, you know, that first one, that big horn, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, and my, my cousins, my brothers, tremendous hunters. And we had, a, we had a lot of time and, and, uh, a great time, I should say. And then, you know, the New Mexico one was, was, uh, was tough. I mean, hunting the desert and back then the season opened October one. So it was still pretty warm. Um, but it was tremendous pressure. I mean, I, I drew a once in a lifetime tag and, chose not to hire someone you know and and so it was kind of up to us and um and then i wanted a good ram too i mean i i knew where you know i got really lucky with that big doll and you know i had a big started off with a big rocky so i, I mean i was just you know there was a lot of pressure with that one if anybody's ever drawn 
special tag, um, it's easy to let that pressure get you down. And it, and it did me at times. It's just overwhelming. You just kind of got to step back and try to enjoy it and, and, and make it happen. And I, I just enjoyed hunting with my family on that one. Awesome. Um, I'm going to kind of go through your Instagram here real quick and uh, yeah. pick some of these pictures. I got one you posted at March 28th. 2013 and for everyone that's listening to the podcast glenn if you don't follow glenn his uh instagram handle is ram slam 1052 is that your slam number yes sir okay 1052 that's his slam number so ram slam 1052 and he posted this march 28 2013 and it's a picture of him with the ram that uh butch kuflak shot in 2004 and uh it just that's a like an argali style just how just big deep and you know he's just he's got that's just a dream look of a ram right there um 45 inch twister ram is what the caption says here what was what was that hunt like glenn yeah but we hunted with butch a couple times before and then he ended up uh winning the raffle that year and um i was that was the year i was actually i was in the middle of building my house and anyway, he came into town and, and got a few of us together, and I called in sick, and <laughs> and we had uh, heard of that ram, you know, some, some sightings of it from jet boaters or fishermen or whatever, and got up in there, we were able to able to find him. And the cool thing was, is Butch was able, to, Butch actually spotted that ram first on his own, and uh, so when I I remember, and we Butch and I tell the story when we see each other at the sheep show that. Uh, you know, Butch was like, what, what, um, what was the Butch, what, what, what's the ram look like? You know, cause he'd seen a good ram. And then in the meantime, this twister walked out and then was out of sight. And so when I got to Butch, I'm like, Butch, what's this ram look like? Cause I knew what the ram we were looking for looked like. And he was like, well, the, the first ram that we saw was a nice ram, but you should see the one we're going to kill. <laughs> so when we got him down later that day, it was something special and. I know uh, Bush is one of a kind guy, so it was a pretty amazing hunt for him. Yeah, that ram, that ram pretty much, you know, is like everyone dreams of a ram like that. Thing is on, like unreal. It just, it has it all. It's heavy all the way out to the tips, super full curl. Like it looks like a mini argali. Yeah, it's he it was something else. Uh, how many, how many rams um, have you guided and hunted total? Do you know? No, I don't. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, if I had to guess, I'd pick a number. I'd probably say, uh, I don't know, 65, 70, somewhere. I'm not sure. So you have a handful. That's that's a lot of sheep. Yeah. Um, I got another ram here. It's uh, two. Oh, turning back to August 1999 in Oregon. Um, George Harms, world record, California archery bighorn. Oh yeah. Got the muscle tank. Glenn is looking good, and the ram is giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm scrolling in here trying to know what picture you're talking about. That was actually the first hunt that I ever did um, with the outfitter that I worked for, and, and George bought the auction tag that year and wanted to, there it is, uh, wanted to um, kill a big cali with his bow. Um, this was on one of John Luton. John Luton was on that hunt. It was on one of his videos, like, great rams three or whatever the name i can't remember the name of his of his video series back then but 
Yeah, I was a 178 plus net and, and was the world record SCI Cali archery until maybe three or four years ago. Oh, wow. So it stayed world record for a long time right there. Yeah. That's a giant ram. Um, since you're on your Instagram, so you posted that picture on April or February 8th, and then it took you all the way to April 3rd to post the next one. Is that the same ram? Is that Butch Butch's ram in that picture? Yes. Yep. Oh, yep. Gosh. Sure is. Everyone, you got to find that ram because I mean that picture. I mean this ram is just unreal. It just looks like an art galley. I'm trying to scroll to the next one here. Had a couple on here I wanted to talk to you about. Let's talk about. Uh, you've been to Mongolia. How many times have you been to Mongolia? Glenn? Yeah, just once. Just once. Uh, gosh, what was it? It was about five years ago. And uh, we had one of our clients that, um, well, at the time was the senior VP at Amazon and was a big hunter. And so I, I think I was there for a little over three weeks. Uh, wow. We were after, on that trip, we were after all three Argali's and the two different Ibex. But as it was, we didn't get the um, hang guy. So he went back and killed the hang guy in, in September. Um, but I was, I was back in school, so. Gotcha. So we killed uh, both Ibex. He killed just a giant Ibex, you can see there. And, yeah. That was, uh, uh, what I bet, that giant one was that Altai Ibex, right? That 48-inch thing is unreal. He posted this July 21st of 2014 for anyone wanting to look for that photo. And then he has several other ones. Uh, I want to talk about his uh, high Altai Ram. That thing, uh, it's just gigantic. It has, like, even, you know, you could, like, you could look at that thing and I would say he's 60 inches all day just because he has the most impressive classic giant argali look to him you know what i mean like it's just probably one of the prettiest argali's the cape is unreal i like that different multi-color type style capes and that thing is just really one of the prettiest rams out there can you give us a little story on that one glenn yeah so we hunted we started off hunting in an hangai camp and when when the hunter had this kind of a, you know, this kind of a hunt agenda put together, it was, you know, you have three days here and then you got to fly here and two days here and so on. So we chased a big um, hang guy for a few days and we had to head to Altai camp. And so this was the second day we were in Altai camp and we got in on, on this this big ram and he, you're exactly spot on, I agree. There's there's some Altais that are, are bigger longer score more or whatever but this one's just got he just lays out there massive all the way out he's broomed um and yeah we we got in and it got in on him close in fact i the closest we were to the group they said within 55 yards of the sun that we were on the back side of this rock ledge but it was a big group of rams so we really weren't able to sort through them as one of those situations where we just had to let him get further away and then uh line him out and and he took this, I mean, I, I just remember like it happened yesterday, walking up to that ram and just going, you know, oh my word, what in the world is this thing? I mean, they are an impressive, impressive animal. So, and it's just a beauty. Yeah. I would say, like you said, there's rams that do like are longer and score better, but they don't have the look that this ram does. This ram, yep. this ram truly has the 100%, uh, high altai or galley look that when you dream of one this is what you dream of right here um how heavy was that pack because that next picture you posted it's you got the k is that a life-size cape in there glenn yeah it was life-size cape yeah on my pack and i think that really shows just you know in reference to a person how big 
those Rams are. I mean, they are, they're just big. They're so impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's unreal. Beautiful Ram, too. Um, yes. Kind of scroll through here more. You got some awesome, is that, uh, that video of the Ibex, that's his big 48-incher, right, that he shot? Yep. Yeah, it that's is. A sweet yeah. video. How close are you guys on that? Um, his he the first shot was a long shot. I mean, like four fifty, and it ended up down the bottom, and that's where I got that video of him was down in the bottom there. So I don't remember. I was under a hundred yards when I took that video. I was gonna say that's uh, a I just got sweet to him. video. Got, yeah, I got to him before before the hunter did, but yeah, that's a sweet video. It's super clear, and you know, just awesome that was probably before they even had any phone scope or scope cam adapters obviously or yeah that was just with a video camera yeah that's sweet um okay we'll go back up here i'm still scrolling uh this is probably one of my favorite rams that you've personally shot it's uh august 29 2014 this is your ram your fan and ram you shot in 2010 that's super broomed off broken just yeah and the cape on that thing is unreal too like that's probably one of my favorite Rams, like in all your photos of your Rams, besides obviously you killed a giant rock in a giant desert. This is probably one of my favorite Rams you've taken just because of the, the you know, it just has all sorts of character and looks on him. What's the, uh, what's the story on that one, Glenn? Yeah, that was 2010. That was my first, um, trip to the Yukon. I hunted with Dan Reynolds with, uh, I've now hunted with him four times and I kind of took a, I, I got my desert in Oh two and then finally kind of, moved on domestically, got my house built, et cetera, after that. And I did some, some other hunting, but I didn't get back to sheep hunting to, until 2010. And took this ram on the first day. I actually killed this ram with my muzzleloader. Um, and I, I'm with you. I just love that. I mean, I live in bighorn country. So when I first saw him, um, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's what we're looking for. He was 13 years old. He was early. Like, like I said, it was August 1, so he's really short hair, but you can see he's got a tremendous amount of color in him. And and um and I, I i took him with my muzzle loader it was pretty cool we 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 kind of dropped down in there he's really low you can see he's down in the willows there where we got him and uh we we bedded those rams in the afternoon and then slipped down in there you know waited for them to get into a good spot and my guide graham and i slipped down there and, and we peeked up and they should have been you know bedded you know 100 150 away and they were they were gone and he spots them in the draw feeding and um and I was still out of sight, you know, I kind of stayed back, you know, we were on this little night fridge, so he peeked up over and I stayed below the skyline. And he's like, oh man, they're up feeding it. And I'm like, well, how far are they? And I, cause I couldn't see him. And so he ranged him and he said, you know, 200 yards. And I, you know, I said, well, I, I, I put 30 or 40 rounds through my muzzle loader at 200 yards on the range before going up there, not wanting to shoot that far. And this wasn't a, any of the long range. I know there's four or five, 600 yard muzzle loaders. This was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so I just got set up and it was a shot. Like I said, it was, as it turned out, it was 215 yards. And he was quartering away, feeding the willows. And I, you know, put it at his last rib and touched it off. And he never took another step. He just stood there until he died and laid down. And we got, we started up out of there at about 10 PM uh, loaded and hit the top of the mountain where we'd stashed a little bit of our gear um, I hit the top at 5 a.m. My guide got there before me. We laid down there for a couple hours and rested and got back to our tent at uh, about 1 p.m. So it was 
just short of a 30-hour day with a <laughs> couple-hour nap in there. Jeez, that's incredible. Um, and you shot that ram with your muzzleloader, and then the ram you shot last year was with your muzzleloader, right? You, how many rams have you taken yeah. with the muzzleloader? Just two. Just two? I did not take it. Uh, that year I saw you in, in B.C. in 2017, I just had my rifle. I mean, I was after a big stone, and yeah. and I didn't want to get didn't want to get muddied up i primarily hunt with the muzzleloader now but that was kind of a different adventure going yeah. for a good stone so yeah gotcha so you um so how hard is it when you because you know you're trying to take your muzzleloader up there how much more of a for people that don't know how much more of a a challenge is taking a muzzleloader on a hunt like that add to it uh it kind of depends on where you're going you know like the first time i went to to the Yukon, it was a bit of a challenge. I mean, you can't take a pound of black powder in your in your checked luggage, right? I mean, yeah. the, uh, TSA tends to frown on that. So that particular year, you know, I talked to my guide ahead of time and was able to order from a hardware store in Dawson Creek and had some the same powder shipped to Dawson City. And, you know, it was left on the side of a highway and my outfitter's wife went and picked up the box that evening. It was kind of a crazy story. <laughs> um, when I went, uh, this last year when I went, I, I drove up. So I, I obviously that makes it pretty simple, but in, I can't remember which one it was that I flew up. Um, oh, it, was, it was in 2016 on my moose hunt when I flew up there. And I had switched powder, so the powder I had in the Yukon, I didn't want to use that anymore. So um, what I did, and, and I actually heard this trick from Cody Robbins, who used to film for Shockey. Um, he and I filmed the sheep together um, years ago. And, and so I asked him, I'm like, how are you guys getting black powder? And, and he told me this trick. So this is what I did in 2016, was I took empty shotgun shells, spent shotgun shells, and then poured black powder into them and then recrimped them and put them in a box. It just looked like a box of shotgun shells. So I, you know, I declared my ammo. Luckily, I mean, I, I don't know what I would do if, if the, you know, the agent was sharp enough or whatever, savvy enough to say, Hey, what are you doing with a box of 12 gauge shells when you have a muzzle loader? I, it didn't happen. They didn't ask. I mean, I had backup powder up there, but, um, anyway, that's what I did. And then I, when I get to camp, I cut them open, you know, with my knife and, and pour them into quick loads and I'm good to go. Heck yeah. So that's a tip for everyone. Listen, you know, listen to Glenn. He just dropped some knowledge for anyone that's going to try to travel in places. Um, as long as TSA doesn't question you about traveling a shotgun and a muzzleloader, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. And I was talking with someone, you know, chatting with someone on Facebook and I, I'm not going to be able to think of the name right now because the guy does a lot of sheep hunting internationally. And and he ran into that issue. Like, he had a savvy enough agent, and he was over in Asia where they, they recognized that, hey, this ammo. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, unfortunately, we had some recording error corruption go on with the second half of this podcast. And uh, didn't realize it till we were trying to upload it and get it finalized on all platforms. So this is the first episode with Glenn Landris. Uh, we're going to have episode number two coming in the short time here. Um, sorry for that, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this short little podcast with Glenn. And stay tuned for second episode to finalize some stories and hear about a giant moose that Glenn shot with the muzzleloader. Um, guys, 
please enjoy. Hope you guys subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do. And uh, give us some uh, reviews. Let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about. And uh, enjoy the Hunter's Hub Hunt More podcast.